Welcome to the Disability Anne podcast, bringing together thoughtful discussion and debate. This month, Mind the Gaps associate artist Daniel Folds chats with playwright and activist Leanna Benjamin about her experiences of being on the Grey Eye Introduction to Playwright course, being Artist for Change at Leeds Playhouse, and the barriers she faces in the theatre industry. Welcome to Disability and Podcasts. Uh, you may hear that this is a different host to your normal person. Uh, this is Daniel Folds filling in for Paul, who is unfortunately not very well, but has allowed me to hijack today uh, for this particular podcast around playwriting. I am joined today with Liana Benjamin, uh, a playwright. Uh, hello, Liana. Thank you, Dan. It's um, really nice to be here. It's great to have you. Uh, so, Liana, would you like to tell uh, the listeners about yourself? Oh, that's a big question to start off all about me. Um, so I would describe myself as um, a freelance writer. Um, I also a jewellery maker and I'm also a human rights activist as well. I think being a, a writer who has a disability you have to be a bit of an advocate and you have to um, fight for things. And it's interesting to me, not just sitting back and watching injustice happen. So I, I like to use my voice for that. And that's kind of the theme of my writing. But we can talk more about that later. You started, to my knowledge, at uh, GRI um, for the How to Write uh, course. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? So in 2018... I got on to be Right to Play, um, year five. And that course with Grey Eye Theatre that year was specifically for writers of colour. And it was the first time that I couldn't make any excuses. Like, I didn't get this opportunity because I was in a wheelchair. I got this opportunity because they liked my writing. So that's exciting and that's amazing. But then it made me go, oh... I am good at this. Can I do this? Um, and I've had, at that point, I had no formal training um, in playwriting. So, I, yeah, definitely thrown in the deep end. It was an amazing experience, a whole year, very intense year. And it was in London. So I had to travel back and forth from Leeds. I had the amazing Javad Alipur as my mentor. And... I did things like um, my first monologue, my first duologue, and then um, part of my first play was put on at the Bush Theatre. So it, um, yeah, was very intensive. We got exposed to lots of different kinds of theatre, which was really good, and I think that's really important. It's nice to see sort of very good polished plays, but also, you know, immersive pieces is interesting and just, like, having a, a widespread knowledge of theatre and what, you know, what theatre is. Because um, theatre doesn't have to be, you know, all polish, all singing, all dancing. And I'm somebody that thinks that, you know, calling things amateur dramatics and amateur theatre, actually it's all art, it's all theatre. So it's nice to have that kind of full-rounded experience and that helps with your writing. How was it working with other playwrights uh, at Grey Eye? Did you get a chance to mingle, talk through ideas, that sort of thing? 
Well, that's, that's really interesting. And it actually brings up questions about barriers because I was the only wheelchair user in the group. We did have the opportunity to spend time together, mingle and what have you. But a lot of the time I was resting. So I missed out on those experiences because of my health. Um, so, but thanks thanks to like Zoom. Um, since then, I've, I've kept up to date with the majority of the writers there. We still keep in touch. And I think that is really important to have your tribe, have your people that you can still go to when you're going through your career. Because um, every step, there's going to be some kind of challenge. Um, so having your tribe that you can refer to and support you and you can support them is incredibly important. Um, the journey into writing isn't just about the pen and the page. It is about the experience of creating that piece. I would say that the the courses that we go on are really good, but you learn from doing the work. And I think that is one of the big barriers is having those opportunities to challenge yourself and to do something that you've never done before. And that was the challenge with that within uh, Right to Play Year 5. Before then, I wrote quite funny pieces. And at the very beginning, we was told to write something that would challenge us. So I wrote something that was quite personal and quite emotive. And I remember my first piece, I was sharing it with my mum on the train down to um, Soho Theatre. And she was just like, why can't you write something funny? And I was like, well, I'm challenging myself. And it wasn't until we did the work and it did an R&D on it. Um, and then it was performed um, at Soho Theatre that she was like, wow, that was amazing. It's changed. And so she's definitely um, embraced my more emotional side of writing, but she still likes the funny side of things. I can be quite daft when it comes to my writing, but like, yeah, I like both, but I think writing that has something to say and impacts the audience, they're the kind of things that I'm interested in. How did it make you feel actually seeing your work on stage as a writer? I have to say that writing is challenging, it's isolating, it's hard, but the joy of hearing your words come to life on stage is, yeah, whether you get paid for your work or not, that that's, that's, that's the gift. But it's also a skill. You have to learn to listen and enjoy it you've written it you hand it over to the actor and how they perform it is entirely up to them because at the very beginning when it first happened I was so focused on every word that they said oh they've missed this word oh it's not not in the way that I wanted it to be said and and yeah you you as a writer have to say I've done my job this is my job I've done it well and I've passed it on to the actor and it's the actor to tell the story of that character and that pride. You don't need anybody to clap or you don't need anybody to tell you anything. It's there. You you did that. You created that. And there will it will never be perfect. I don't think I've heard of a writer that says, this piece was amazing and nobody could have write it better than I. I don't think we as writers think that way. I think that... When you see your piece come to life, it really is magical. And it's worth 
the self-doubt, the self-loathing that happens within writers. I love to see my work come to life. It's just, it's magical. Oh, I absolutely 100% agree. There's nothing better than that feeling of self-accomplishment that just comes from being able to share what you've created to an audience. I think if you have that experience of an audience reacting in the way that you wanted to as well, then that's just like the cherry on top of the cake. Um, I wrote a piece during COVID called The Gift and it was performed online. And seeing people's comments about my piece was just wonderful. Beautiful and heartbreaking was like a a lot of people were saying that. Um, And then hearing from people who had similar experiences and that they felt that I handled that subject matter quite, quite well. I think that's, yeah, you feel like you've done a good job. And that is the uh, the piece that I'm, I wouldn't say proudest of, but it, yeah, it's, um, I put all my angst around COVID in that piece. And um, I think you can feel it. So yeah, it's something that I, I think most writers do enjoy seeing their work on, on stage. I think we kind of already touched on my next question, mm-hmm. but I kind of want to ask it quite di- directly. But uh, what are you interested in writing about? That's a really good question. The things that I'm interested in writing about, I suppose it's everything and anything to a point, but it's things that I'm passionate at that time. Um I come from a family that's full of drama. So I often write about families and drama. I don't know why, but that does interest me. I am writing quite a bit about my lived experiences. I think that's really important. Representation is really important to me. And we don't see many stories of a black disabled woman. But then there's there's lots of things that I'm interested in. I'm interested in jewellery. I'm interested in... Injustice. I'm interested in gospel music. There's, yeah, there's lots of things to me. Um, the <laughs> the phrase I like is I'm multifaceted. I love saying that, um, and I think that's what I want my career to be as a writer. It isn't that it is I'm a disabled writer or I'm a, a crime writer or I'm I want to write lots of different things and have that experience. My granddad referred to me as a jack of all trades, a master of none, and irritated me as a teenager. But I actually think that's quite an accomplishment. It really is. I I, I think, I'm, I'm not sure if this is a trend amongst writers, but I recall that being said to myself. Mm. Um, so I can echo that experience of feeling that way. Yes. Um, but as a result, it can also, I'm not sure with your experience, but it can sometimes feel a bit, uh, overwhelming to have be expected to be a master of a lot of things and um, have you found that a barrier almost for trying to get your voice heard being expected to know everything writing was never something that I wanted to do I didn't set out to be a writer I set out to be a journalist. That's what I wanted to do. And I was very specific. Aged 11, Lee Allen was very clear that she wanted to work with Trevor McDonald and then replace him when he retired. That was news at 10. That's where I was going. 
Writing has been the thing that's been in the background. It's the thing that I did, but it wasn't the job. Um, I didn't think I was good enough and I still don't think I'm good enough. It's, I think that's probably my lifelong goal to feel that I'm good enough at writing. It's just something I did. I spent a period of time of interviewing lots of writers, um, really accomplished writers, and I enjoyed listening to their stories, but didn't think I was good enough to be one of their peers. But I think that we get to decide what's good enough. That's the thing that I've learned. There are many barriers to writing, but yeah, I, I do think that that pressure of being um, a master of so many different subjects and not having that education because it wasn't the thing that I was gearing myself to to be, yeah, I think that can be a barrier. Um, going on to barriers, um, I think this is really good that we're touching on this. Um, what barriers did you face becoming a playwright and what can be done to make it more accessible? Getting into this creative industry, there's many barriers. For myself as a wheelchair user and having a debilitating illness, having the energy to compete with my counterparts is is a barrier. Having access to material, having access to plays because of my disability, um, it's better for me to be able to listen to text and there is not many texts that are available as audio. So that's really challenging and I often buy the text and also buy the audio version if I can find that so that's an extra cost a lot of the theatres are still not wheelchair accessible so those opportunities to network with other writers and be in those creative spaces is not always an option for me having opportunity to write is is a big barrier um, and there are not many opportunities for wheelchair users to be in those spaces. And that could be because of our access needs. That be, That's because we're not seen as good enough or experienced enough. Because if you don't have the experience, then you can't be in those creative spaces. But then how do you get that experience? And then if those creative spaces are not wheelchair accessible, then how can you be in those rooms and... If those creative spaces are full day events and you haven't got the energy to do a full day, again, another barrier. So I would say that there's, yeah, there's been many barriers. I think having mentors that you can speak to um, is really important in navigating those barriers and not being afraid to asking for your access needs to be met. I think that having the support of Grey Eye Theatre, Leeds Playhouse, Ramps of the Moon, They've all been instrumental in my in my career. And this sounds so funny for me to say that because it doesn't feel like I've got a career yet, but I have. Um, and yeah, I still I still feel like I'm at the beginning of my journey um, in writing and I've started quite late in life. But having having those supports, having funding, having access to funding to pay for um, PAs to pay for somebody to do the note taking, to support you into going to theatres up and down the country, having the access to going into work, getting a taxi was hard. We had the money, but getting a taxi to and from work was challenging. Often they didn't turn up or there was a problem. So 
I think I could spend most of the day talking about barriers. There are there are many of them. What you need as a disabled writer is tenacity and finding a creative solution. And you have to be your own problem solver. You have to be your own advocate and um, find a way through. Do you think there is an effort starting to be made to help with those barriers? The industry is definitely asking questions. There is a desire to have more diversity within theatre. And and as a result of that, then they have to look at the, the barriers. I think the problem is there's a traditional mindset within theatre and for writing for television. And I think that's the problem because this is the way that we've done it. And it's been successful. So why change it? And I say you have to change it if you really want to have diverse voices in in these places. And that's really important to have that representation, to have. To see another disabled playwright is like gold. It's just to see another wheelchair user in the room. So you're not the only wheelchair user in the room. That's amazing. And it shouldn't be that, that you know, I'm sitting there going, oh, there's another one of me. That's brilliant. You shouldn't. That shouldn't be a thing. So we do need to look at those barriers. And I think with the the roles of um, Agent for Change, those roles of uh, helping theatres to look at some of the barriers, I think it's easier to remove the physical barriers. I think it's harder to change their mindset to go, we always set, say, eight weeks to do a draft. Why can't it be? Three months. How can we change the length of time so that somebody can have that support to do that work? Why do we even need to have deadlines? You know, like some people find just the idea of deadlines um, really difficult. I'm neurodivergent as well, so I I don't work very well with deadlines. So it's looking for different ways of changing that language. Can we can we just have regular check-ins? Is there a point? Do you know what I mean? Like. How can we approach this? How can we enable you to, to do the work, but doing it in a way that works for you? As an industry, the mindset needs to change. Do you feel there is pressure for disabled playwrights to write about disability? There is a pressure in the industry, like I've said, to have better representation, um, to have disabled-led stories. And I'm just going to say I have a problem with that. I think we should have compelling storytelling that just happens to have a character that has a disability. I don't like to have the emphasis on their disability. Like, you go you go to the shop to buy something. Your focus isn't, how did you get to the shop? Did you walk there? Did you go in a wheelchair? You, like, you, you got to the shop. That's all that's important. Um, and I think that there's so many really great stories out there. Um we should just create that space for um, disabled creatives to tell their stories and tell the stories that are that they're passionate about. And if so, it talks about the difficulty in getting to and from work because of lack of transport for a wheelchair user happens to come into the story, then great. But it shouldn't be the pressure is, right, write a story about disability because we know it. We know that story. We live it every day. We want to talk about romance. We want to talk about crime. We want to, you know, like there's so many different things that we want to talk about. Disability 
just so happens to be part of our story, but it shouldn't be the story. 100% agree with you on that. It's about making true-to-life stories um, and having a disability, I'm not sure if you agree with this, just really seems to... It is interesting for... I can understand the... It, it can be interesting for other people, but do you think that there is a way through our writing we can educate further? Yes, I think that's why I've got into writing is that I get to share my voice on subject matters that are really important to me. The piece that I wrote during COVID, The Gift, was about a woman who had been abused and and by a carer who, because during COVID there wasn't um, female uh, carer available, so that's what happened to her and, and the consequences of that situation. And for me, it was really important to tell a different story that people wouldn't were aware of. Um, and it's educating people without preaching. And it's telling or sharing stories in a way that is palatable because nobody wants to be told that they're not aware about disability or they're, they're not aware about access. Nobody wants to be told that. But if you can show them, if you can show them and give them an opportunity to think about it and in, engage with disabled people in a way that they haven't done. Like Ralph and Katie on television gave an insight to characters that were so beautifully written who just so happened to have Down syndrome. Like it, their, their disability wasn't the emphasis. It was there, but it wasn't. It was that how they had this couple... Um, managed life and the the, the many um, challenges that they face. And I think that's the kind of stories that I want to write. Could you tell us about your role as artist for change at Leeds Playhouse? For example, the introduction to playwriting course. So I was actually the artist for change and writer in residence at Leeds Playhouse. And I started in January, the 17th of January, um, 2022. And that was my first job within an organization so it was it was big for me and it's a very challenging role because it was created for me um and it was an opportunity for me to find out how Leeds Playhouse works and to look at the barriers that exist within that place and identify some of those and then putting on this course specifically for eight disabled writers and to give them the experience of learning their craft with their access needs being met. When I first started, that wasn't the case for me. And I did a course, an introduction to playwriting at Leeds Playhouse, and it wasn't specific for somebody with a disability. And I found it incredibly challenging, and I didn't have a note taker, and I didn't have, yeah, there was lots of things I didn't have the support with. And there was weeks I couldn't attend because I was ill and there was no way of catching up. So I felt like I was constantly on the back foot um, or the back wheel, however you want to describe it. But um, I wanted to create a space for disabled writers to just focus on writing and learning about writing a play and not having to worry and not to have to advocate for their access needs. And I feel in general we did that, we achieved that. Um, I'm sure there's things that we could have done better. I'm sure there is. Um, but I feel that that was a great opportunity um, 
for those writers. And what's been so wonderful to see is that since then, quite a few of them have gone on and done amazing things with their writing and I couldn't be prouder. And I think that's the thing that's really important is to have those opportunities. And I know that the biggest barrier is money and a lot of theatres will go, well, we didn't have that pot of money to provide. But I think that the focus should be on creating great art and giving writers that opportunity and and finding that money. There's money available within the industry. And I think it's really important that we invest in disabled writers because they have a perspective that non-disabled writers just don't have. And when you're in the class, were there any tips and tricks for those who might have been struggling how you managed to tease out stories? So writing stories, there are there are lots of different approaches. Because I'm dyslexic, I use mind mapping as um, a tool um, on helping people with getting their stories out. We um, we encouraged our writers to find different approaches that work for them. If writing, the physicality of writing the story was difficult, then doing it using um, voice notes, that's another way of doing it and acting it out. And I think the the reason why that course worked for me was that we allowed writers to find their way of doing things and we encouraged them to do that and we constantly had check-ins and communicated there was communication and I think that's really important I don't think a course is going to cover everybody's access needs it's just it's, you've got a, a group of people it's going to be very difficult to do that um, but what you can do is trying to do the best to make sure that there is an environment um, for those writers to do their best work it sounds like a very not corny question to ask, but what is that ideal kind of environment for for people to feel comfortable and safe to be able to hone in their playwriting skills? I can only talk from my experiences, and I would say that first and foremost, the space has to be accessible. Um, and I find that a, a studio or somewhere that's quite creative and large space where you can break out and if you for me I I have somebody who writes um the words for me they do the physicality of writing for me um so I can have a quiet space to do that um without having to go out of the room and not be you know away from the the other creatives but then I think it's really important that the room is led by somebody that is aware of the needs of everybody in the group so that you've done the access audits beforehand, that you make sure that everybody does the access audits, not because if you've got a mixed group, that it's not just we're doing an access audit for those with a disability, that we're doing an access audit for everybody and that we're creating an environment that people can communicate their needs. And if it's not school, so if you need to leave, you just leave. Um, And if you need things in a different format, it's there, it's ready and do that work, that preparation, before you have people start. I think that's really important. Finding out halfway down in the course that somebody needs a note taker, I think that's unfair, and that's been my experience more than once. 
it would be nice to have a disabled creative leading that space as well or to be involved in that because that's the other thing. We have these programs that um, support disabled writers and then we leave them. And they, we don't see, we see them create work, but we don't see them as facilitators. And I think that's really important. That was the joy for me was that I got to be a facilitator and now to look for all the roles where I can do that and actually share my experience. And because I have those lived experiences and I have that, um, that knowledge, I can make sure that the room is as accessible as possible. But I think as disabled creatives, we can't expect the room to be completely accessible it's not going to if we if we go to the like the nth degree then it stops us from being proactive you know if you get if you create a space where people are all divas and they're having like the m&ms that are all specifically one color and the temperature of the water is at certain you know you get into that's crazy we're not talking about that we're talking about can I get into the room can I have a space to rest if I need it can I um can I read the information you know um and I mean I share a funny story when one of the um workshops I was in um a friend of mine an amazing talented writer he's deaf (laughs) we were both asked to listen to a piece and then to write everything that we heard, well, he couldn't hear those things and I couldn't write them. So it was just the funniest experience. I was like, well, this is not accessible. And I'm like, how do we do this? So then we had somebody else who wrote it for us, who listened for us. And I was like, well, they basically did the exercise. We didn't. Um, so it's having somebody that understands the needs of the the group and setting up exercises for them and... Anybody that's doing a course similar to that, I would love you and encourage you to use work, use examples by disabled creatives. One of the joy that I got was to actually invite a lot of my disabled writers that have been on this journey with me to share their experiences. Because if you can't see it, how can you be it? You know, and you're just starting out and then you've been told, oh, write a story, but you can't see another person of colour or another person with a disability doing that. You don't feel like there is space for you in the industry. So that's really important. You mentioned a lot about access audits and I'm just thinking of the listeners. Could you describe what an access audit is? An access audit is a document that allows you to express what your access needs are. And it gives the employer or the facilitator the the knowledge um, to make sure that your access needs are being met. I think that's kind of, in a nutshell, what an access audit is. I believe so. There is other terms that people use, such as access rider Riders, yeah. as well, mm-hmm. um, which function in exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a case of the terminology that is used between people can be a little bit confusing. Yeah. I hope that's helpful, listeners. So, Liana, what's next in the pipelines for your work? Well, I am currently working on a commission of a full-length play with um, Leeds Playhouse. I can't speak too much about it, but it's working with the youth theatre 
and I'm really excited. This is my this is what every writer wants um, when they're starting out to be commissioned to write a full length play. So I'm really excited about that. I'm also on Steph's pack lunch um, as part of um, the teammates. So I get to share um, my views on topical subjects. And I'm also working with Dank. I'm on the board with them. So that's kind of the um, activism side of me. And I'm also quietly working on a TV spec script as well. So I'm quite busy at the moment. And yeah, there's lots of um, exciting things ahead for me. Um, My last question for you is... What advice would you give aspiring writers wanting to break through? The advice that I would give to aspiring writers is ask yourself the question, why? Why do you want to do this? And then if it's something that you're really passionate about doing, then just do it. A writer writes. That is my mantra. And it isn't a writer writes and gets paid, a writer writes for this theatre, a writer simply writes. And you need to hone your craft, do your work, do your research, read, see plays. If you want to be a playwright, it's so important that you see so many different kinds of plays. And I would, if you can, I would suggest seeing a play and just enjoying it. Just watch it, enjoy it, and then go and see it again. And then ask yourself lots of questions about how that story was told, how you could improve it, what angle you would do, what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it, and just tear it apart. Yeah, it's how I learn. It's like figuring out how something is made, breaking it and putting it back together. I think that's a really good approach. And when I'm reading plays, I read them, enjoy them, digest them, and then go back and go, okay, where's the inciting incident? Where is the where's the conflict in this? What what is this play doing? What is this play saying? So just it's about asking questions. And I think it's about being confident in using your voice to affect change. And that's the greatest thing about playwriting is that you do get to have that intimacy with an audience because they've paid money to sit there to listen to your work and you've got them captivated for however long you've got them and you get to take them on a journey and within that you as well as giving a compelling story you get to challenge them get to make them laugh make cry you take them on this emotional journey that's the joy of being a playwright and be prepared for challenges. It is challenging, but there's amazing rewards as well. Thank you very much, Liana, for coming in today to speak to us. And I really hope that what you've had to, to say today will hopefully reach some listeners and make an impact for them to help them make their decisions in their career and hopefully get some more stories out there from different points of view. Thank you so much, Dan, for today it's been really good you've stepped in really well for Paul and it's been great having this conversation with you thank you (laughs) 
Thank you for listening. We do hope you've enjoyed this episode of Disability And. Next month, Eleanor Lisney and Eric Wu chat about what it means to be Southeast Asian with a disability and how identities can shift. <laughs>